Welcome to the Macomb Israel Teacher's Lounge podcast, where we connect students and listeners to what's happening in Israel and give you insight behind the headlines. I am your host, Michael Unterberg, here with this week's co-host and producer, Matthew Lippman. How are you, Matthew? I'm very well, thank you, Michael. It's good to be here. Good to have you. Well, this is certainly an exciting and confusing time in terms of Israeli politics. As our listeners know, one of our big complaints is when people after an election say, who won? And we always have to explain over and over. You don't win right after election. That takes a long time. And so we've had actually several students and even some feedback saying, can you guys explain where we are in trying to build the coalition? What needs to get done? What isn't getting done? And... We decided to bring in two experts for this one. Matt, would you please introduce our two expert panelists who can hopefully explain to us why we are where we are? Yes, it'd be my great pleasure. Okay, Rachel works with the Jerusalem uh, Center for Journalists. I don't know if that's the official title for it, but she... Jerusalem Press Club, I'm sorry, okay, and she does uh, briefings for journalists, so she's well-placed to explain to us exactly what's going on. Um, Kalev wears a number of different hats, um, especially as a contributor to the Fathom Journal, um, and he recently just published an article about the rise of the Ram Party and their leader, Mansour Abbas, and that will come into play during this conversation. So thank you, Kalev and Rachel, for joining us. Thank you for inviting us. Good to be here. Great to have you. All right. So the, 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 we do know that the first person and party to be given a chance by the president to form a coalition was Bibi Netanyahu of Likud. And we know it is not going well. He still has some time, yeah? Ten days. Ten more days? As Ten of we were recording days. on Thursday the 22nd. But does anyone think he's going to be able to do it? Um, I don't think so. <laughs> it has to be because. something very sur- surprising, uh, mainly for if we have like we have two different uh, parties that could be the ones who will decide if he will confirm the government or not. One is the Arab party, Ram. Maybe Caleb will explain about it later. And the other one, it could be Yamina, but also it's not enough with Yamina. Like he needs Yamina, another two or three members of other parties who will have to abandon their parties or their ideology or their whatever you call it in order to join to join the coalition uh, of Netanyahu. So it's not something that will happen naturally. Will be some surprise here or there that will be the, the like it's the only way I see a government could be conformed. And normally, in normal times, the president could give another 14 days uh, for the first one who, gets, who had the opportunity to conform the government. But in this case, I don't think the president will give 14 more days to, to Netanyahu uh, because maybe he will want to give uh, Lapid the chance to start, uh, to start negotiating the coalition. And Kalev, you, 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 that's, you agree? Yeah, I mean, people have been predicting the, the end of Netanyahu since at yeah. least 2015. Now, one day they will be right. Uh, and it, it could well be that, that that one day is soon. I think, listen, Netanyahu's challenge, as, as Rachel said, is that, um, you know, Likud plus the ultra-Orthodox plus the kind of far-right uh, so-called religious Zionist party um, gets you to... Um, I think 52, 
52 seats. So to get to 61, you need those plus Bennett, uh, which takes you up to 59, plus the United Arab list that takes you over 61 to get to 63. And, and, and the big challenge is, and it's, it's deeply ironic because Netanyahu spent a huge amount of time trying to strengthen the uh, religious Zionist party um, because they were kind of sure uh, allies for his coalition that ideologically they will not sit with um, uh, an Islamic movement. Uh, and yeah. so he kind of strengthened a party that is now blocking his ability to get to 61. So it, it certainly doesn't look like he's going to be able to. Uh, and Gidon Saar, who's another right wing former Likudnik, but stood on a on an explicitly anti-Netanyahu platform. I'd be very surprised if he joins. So it, it doesn't look like it, but Netanyahu, and it, it also seems that Netanyahu is getting very stressed about this, but I don't think you can ever rule him out. Um, so I think we'll have to see. Well, it doesn't look than, good. It doesn't look good for Netanyahu at the moment. I think, I think other you can than Rachel's say suggestion that. of pulling out two or three people from some other party and getting them to join... I mean, just technically, just ma- listen, basic that, math. That that happened in round three. Uh, you know, so difficult to remember where we were after each round. Round one. Uh, kind of blend. So round, yeah, of course. So round one, when I remember that a, a family friend asked me after round one, you know, what's going to happen? And I said, listen, I don't know. But one yeah. thing I can say for certain is there will not be second elections. Uh, so you know, <laughs> that just goes to show how... Um, poor uh, predictor I am and how uh, lacking we all were, I think, in imagination. But after election number one, he had 60. He had 60. And, and no one, w- he didn't find anyone to, 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 to move over the lines. Um, election number three, he did find. Orly Levy uh, moved over from kind of Meretz Gesher t- towards Netanyahu. But I kind of feel like, you know, we're, we're quite far in now. No one's moved over. I feel like the people in the anti-Netanyahu camp are very deeply in the anti-Netanyahu camp. He's not going to fool the blue and white again. So, um, you, one, listen, one of the aims was to bring over defectors to cross the lines. I don't think Netanyahu has succeeded in that. Another one was to try and convince Saar. He hasn't succeeded in that. The third one was, can he get Yamina and Smotrich of religious Zionism and Ram all in? It doesn't look like he succeeded in that either. I think those are the, the three. It's kind of the nice thing about extremists is that they're very consistent. Isn't yeah, they're it? ideal. They're ideological. No, but listen, yeah. I, I have to I have to say this. Um, I, I am I'm not a fan of Smotrich. I'm certainly not a fan of Ben Gvir. I'm certainly not a fan of the Non Party. And I think Yossi Verta from Haaretz had this great line where he talks about you know the difference between them is those who see. Uh, homosexuals as perverts rather than those who see homosexuals as, as beasts. You know, so they're kind of, you know, there is a difference, uh, but it's a difference of degree. But one of Smotrich's analysis is, and he's right, that if Ra'am get legitimized to sit in government, the next election, there will be a huge Arab turnout. They could mm-hmm. get 17, 18, 20 seats. And once they get those seats, the right will not be in power for a very, very long time. So mm-hmm. I think what's driving Smotrich is primarily 
partially ideology against sitting with this basically Islamic party, but there's also a strategy behind it, yeah. which makes sense, which once you legitimize Arab party sitting in government, Arab voting turnout will go up. And once Arab voting turnout go, go up, the right wing will have a problem in Israel. So he has a Bibi's point. He's trying to use him as a tactic and he's responding strategically. That is not a good plan. Yeah. Rachel, can you explain what happened this past week with the... Uh, with the arrangements committee? Because that, you know, my students always say, you know, in each of these rounds, what's new? What's changed? That is something I think it's fair to say that is new. Can you explain what happened there? Well, uh, first of all, it's not new. <laughs> that committee is one of the most important committees in the Knesset. After sure. the elections. But I mean, like, they... losing it is, is new for, yeah, for these, yeah, well, for these we, cycles. We'll get there. Yeah. We'll yeah. Get there. Uh, after the elections... Uh, the Knesset has to be organized. Like, they have to decide who is going to preside all the committees, who is going to be members of all the committees in the Knesset. Like all, all, every legislative house, you have the committees which are divided in different uh, issues and then the laws will go through those committees uh, according mm-hmm. to the different topic. Uh, but before you organize, then you have to organize the first committee who will organize and will, right. will arrange the other committees and not only the committees, the whole Knesset activity in terms of the members of the Knesset. So, in order, so you have to decide first of all who is going to control that arrangements committee, and after that you would have to you can decide the rest. So this week actually, the Netanyahu and the Likud they wanted actually to control it. How do you control it with the majority or of parties or members of the Knesset who are on your side or or your natural coalition or whatever you want to call it? But what happens is that the Knesset is it's still working democratically as mm-hmm. until today. <laughs> so they voted and the majority just voted not, not to have Vivi and then it could controlling the majority of this committee. So they didn't get to preside they I meaning the Likud to preside this uh or to control or to lead this this committee. Which means that the opposition or the when it's not opposition yet. It's called the anti-Bibi or the change. Uh, yeah, uh, well, it can't be because Whatever there's no you government. You can have an opposition, but yeah, the block. Yeah, yeah, it's the block anti-Netanyahu, whatever you want to call it. So they are controlling it, and it, it's very symbolic. First of all, to, to for Bibi and for the Likud to understand that they don't have the complete control of Knesset today, and right. that's what happened. Like in the last elections, they kind of managed to control it. Not in the last one with Blue and White. It was much more messy, I think, what happened last yeah. time. But we will not get into that. But what's, what's going on now is that even there were many reporters and journalists who said uh, it's the first time that maybe could be in the opposition. And they said it after one of the members of the Knesset, Miki Zohar, just like yeah. say it. like, And everybody heard uh, it. Likud and member it was, of Knesset. Oh, yeah, yeah, Miki Zohar heard it. Uh, yeah. Like he was the one who was presiding that. A committee in the last election. So that's what he said. We might be in, in the opposition. And that's something huge. And also, uh, maybe they are also preparing that scenario, which is interesting. What will happen if they will not have the majority or they will have to fight. Maybe if, 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 the, if Lapid will get the mandate or the, or the opportunity to negotiate now, maybe they will try just to be in a better position as, a, as an opposition. I, I'm not sure. But it's very, very, very yeah. symbolic in this stage that they are not controlling that committee, uh, specifically before you have a government, because actually it's the only like uh, democratic 
um, how can I call it, uh, body <laughs> that can decide things in terms of law, laws, uh, legislation, and other things. They can decide who will be the president, uh, the, the speaker of the Knesset. They can decide many things that could uh, impact the way they are managing uh, all the all the negotiations now. So it's technically the committee that controls things, but that, you're saying the bigger issue is this symbolic issue of it's, it's a chink in the armor that Bibi lost it. it politically, that's bad. Yeah, go ahead, Matt. I'm sorry. So, oh, so, so Rachel, I wanted to ask you, because you mentioned the Speaker of the Knesset. Now, I remember, again, like Kalev, I'm a bit confused by <laughs> round one, two, and three. But I think this was after three, when Benny Gantz joined Netanyahu in the coalition. There was a whole thing about who was going to be Speaker of the House. And if I remember correctly, Benny Gantz actually became Speaker of the House for a temporary period in order to push something through. So they could still have the Speaker. So w could you sort of talk about that difference between the Speaker versus this committee and why one is more important or if one is more important? Well, the, the Speaker of the Knesset, is, it doesn't have a lot of power. Like he cannot decide things without uh, a, a vote in the Knesset or something like that. But he, he can decide the agenda mainly in the plenarium of the Knesset, in the pl in plenary, like in the, in, the, in the big hall. And he can decide this, the, the, what will be the agenda every day. And he, will, he can decide if one of the members of the Knesset can speak or not. Um, you can also have the, the, the situation of a filibuster even in the Knesset. There have been filibusters in the Knesset. And the one who will decide if there will be a filibuster or not will be the, 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 the speaker of the, of the Knesset. Uh, so it can give the rhythm of the of how the the, the laws or one, or if one of the of the members of the Knesset want to propose a law, he can decide the rhythm of it, the legislation, when you will vote, when you will not vote. Maybe he can do it very quickly. Maybe he can say no, we will do it. It will take some days to do it. So he has power, and he can. Even uh, change some some of the of the way they are deciding the legislating. Uh, so maybe it could be interesting now. Maybe, well, I will not. I don't want to speak about that. Thing about uh, picking directly the prime minister. Yeah, that's how do you call it? I don't know what that was. That was a really weird. It's not. That's what we like. That, that's we're living now, and it will be a law that it will have to be legislated in this scenario of having, uh, or, or, or of direct not having a government. The, yeah. Yes. Direct choosing of a minister, but not a but not a Knesset, which is right. something much more complicated. I know. I don't know if you want to get into that, but I, it's actually honestly, I think I, that. I, I, <laughs> I find it so confusing that I'm a little nervous to get into it. Do, do you think that it's actually a possibility or just a weird? Well, that's what that's tactic. You, you, you said at the beginning that you want me to say, like, you want us to look for the different options, and that is one of yeah, the yeah. options. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's complicated, but it's an option who can happen. Like in Israel, we have a direct election. We only elect a party. Okay, we don't elect a prime minister and also a party as citizens. We only choose a party and. From that party, we will elect the leaders, okay? Mm -hmm. But what they are trying to propose now, and it's actually Netanyahu's, one of, another option for Netanyahu, it's to make a direct uh, election to the prime minister. So you have to actually legislate a law that we, as citizens, will choose only the prime minister, okay? Right. 
um, it's 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 never happened again. Okay, once in history we choose as citizens also a, 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 a party and also a prime minister, and it didn't work very well. Okay, mm-hmm. mainly because it took the power, the ideological power of the big parties. Okay, and it was very very messy. But they're trying to propose it again because they're saying, okay, we have the Knesset. The Knesset works. The war here, all the problem here is that we are not able to choose the leader. Who will be the prime minister? So this could be an option, that us, uh, us uh, citizens will choose who will be the prime minister. Only the leader, like it works in other, in other places in, in, like in the world. It's a bit of a sign of, of desperation, really, by Netanyahu. Yeah. And there's, there's, this, there's this kind of jump in logic where in order to prevent an election, we have an election. We have an election for prime minister. So it, it, I, I don't think there's really the votes. And logically, it's a bit ridiculous. And it's kind of changing the rules as one goes along um, because you're losing. So um, I don't really put out too much uh, confidence in that happening. But I just want to return to something that Mike asked before. Harding is still working on his end. But if I understood him correctly, he was saying, oh, here he is. Just, just to return to something that Mike said before, which is what's changed. And I think back to, to election number three and, and, and the kind of you had in the cockpit, you had, you had the leaders of the of the anti-Bibi camp, relative political novices. You had Gantz, you had Yalon, you had Ashkenazi and you had Lapid, you know, who's, who's been in, in the Knesset for a while. Now, the people who are working to bring down Netanyahu are, are in addition to Lapid, who is experienced, but you've got Sa'ar, Gidon Sa'ar, you've got Zev Elkin, you've got Avigdor Liebman. These are real political experts. They've spent a lot of time. Firstly, they used to be in Likud. They spent a lot of time with Netanyahu. They know him very well. They are very, very good politicians, regardless of ideology. And to have these guys in the anti-Netanyahu camp uh, I think really strengthened it, and and you know in 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 the pro Netanyahu camp, you don't really have a, a, the political nous um, that maybe one used to have. So you know when you ask what's changed, so clearly the arrangements committee is one, but I think the the uh, the sophistication, the political sophistication in the anti Netanyahu camp um, is much stronger than it was in the past. I think the point for the direct election is is really a sign of desperation. Uh, yeah. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think there are the votes. It logically makes absolutely no sense that suddenly we should change the rules of the game while we're still in the game. The second point, which goes back to your question of what's changed this time, is yeah. that the people in the anti-Netanyahu camp are very sophisticated politicians. They know Netanyahu very, very well. Um they know what his tricks and shticks are. They can make their own tricks and shticks, and I think that very much strengthens the anti-Netanyahu camp. Yeah, it's it's almost as if he's played out so many of these games with so many people that he's lost so many people's trust that his ability to make these tricks is sort of everybody. It's almost as if if you're consistently dishonest and mess everyone over all the time, then it's hard to get people to trust you. Who would have thought? I know. You, it's shocking. Kalev, yeah. do, do you think it's also a reflection of his leadership of the party? Because you were talking before about how there's not 
uh, many people left in his block who are able to play the game in the same way that he can? Do you think that's reflective of his leadership, which, or it's a different issue? I think Netanyahu's leadership is very few people were able to grow in, in Netanyahu's shade. And if we look historically, Lieberman uh, left, Moshe Kahlon left, uh, Bugia Alon left, um, and rec- most Poor recently Gidon Saar left. Poor Zev Elkin's family is being tortured. Is being abused. Yeah, well, they, he, they, he they has just to get want, the police to help. They just want him yeah. to come home, Mike. They just want him to come home to Likud. They will welcome him with open arms. And oh, the way, it's a love. It's a love note, basically. The way to convince children. him that he will be welcomed yeah. with open arms is to basically shout abuse at his wife and five-year-old daughter. It's like For King me, George it and work, Hamilton. But who knows? I'll kill your. I'll kill your friends and family to show you my love. Yeah. The the the. the the, the, uh, we talked about irony before. The deep irony is that if Netanyahu would have maintained better relations with Naftali Bennett, um, yeah. who you know, the joke is all Bennett wants is just for, for Netanyahu to show him some love. Um, yeah. <laughs> if he would have maintained better relationships with Bennett and better relationships with Saar, I don't think he'd, he'd, he'd be in this mess. And, and the, the, the tragic thing for him is... It's not even over ideology. It's it's completely no. personal. The, the Bennett Netanyahu uh, dysfunctional relationship is is solely personal. And had Bennett been kept on side, um, Netanyahu would, would, may well have had a coalition by now. And and had Saab been given a bit more warmth and respect, Netanyahu he, he, Netanyahu would almost certainly be uh, prime minister again. So. Um, I think I think to many extent it is a consequence of his leadership, which leadership which clearly a lot of people in the country like and respect, but which over the years has created so many enemies who are now all lined up against him. And and if he does fall, um, and then we look uh, in hindsight over what led to it, that that will be one of the major things. I think. So it's fair to say that, and, and again, we're not in the business on this podcast of making predictions. But he has been in this round, you know, bloodied and wounded and bruised in a way that he hasn't in any of the previous rounds. So whether this is the end of his prime ministership or not, he's just, first of all, just the fact that we've gone four elections without him being able with all of his achievements internationally, the UAE and, and the amazing success of vaccination. And, and, and he's still not succeeding that alone. Aside from the symbolism of of not being able to, you know, the 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 ins and outs of the coalition building and losing the arrangements committee, it, he does look different now, and so something has shifted, something has changed, and I just don't know what the consequences of that those changes are. Is Lapid going to be able to form a government if Bibi can't in the next ten days? Well, this leads me to something I wanted to ask Rachel because she mentioned before that maybe. Lapid would be handed the mandate and the opportunity. Okay. So uh, maybe I, I can, can I ask you, like, I assume there is non-official negotiations happening already. Right? I'm sure from the day the election results came out, he's already been also playing the game. Is that a fair assumption? He's meeting make? with everybody. He's openly, it's not a secret. Right. Yeah. Even though it's not really supposed to. Well, that's what I'm asking. What What is he supposed yeah. to do? What does he do? Like, there's a, is it, Cloak and dagger. 
we know that these negotiations happen. Like when the one gets the official permission to start negotiating, the second one will be negotiating with all other, with the other ones, and also with the ones who are negotiating with the first. Like they are negotiating the whole time, and maybe they are not doing it there directly, but they build teams with a lot of people that they're actually into this for you months. You mean like taking pictures of having lunch with Mansour Abbas in his office That's, and, and yeah, releasing yeah, them to official. the press? Yeah, Ah, well. I Lapid is, I mean, he's not. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. No, but, but yeah. I'm not sure that it's not like, they can say that they're not speaking about that. They're speaking about other things. I'm not sure, but they're negotiating. And one, I will give you an example. Do you remember those elections, it's, I think in 2008, when uh, Kadima had more mandates than Likud, then Likud you remember? Yeah. And, and then they gave that's the mandate the, that's when to... Netanyahu got it, yeah. Yeah, they, they gave the mandate to, to Tipe Livni to start uh, building the coalition and she couldn't do it. And after a couple of days, Netanyahu was able to conform it. So that was right. sure that the, Netanyahu was negotiating the whole time while and she who, was trying yeah. to was convince the, the other ones. And who was the guy who delivered it for Netanyahu? Who managed to organize the coalition for him? Sad, Sar. Right? Yeah. Sar, right? Yeah, Sar is a master in negotiating coalitions. That was his role in the Likud for many years. And he understands the process very, very good. So I'm not sure what is, what is he doing now with only six mandates, but the guy knows the game. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, so maybe he's also doing it uh, uh, behind the back. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure, but Lapid is doing it, it's doing it strongly. And he's been also building this base uh, inside the Knesset for the last three years. Like he was in the opposition, more than three years. He was in the opposition, but it doesn't mean that he doesn't have like a political base. Uh, mm -hmm. The thing is, I, I think that it's also personal. I think many people do not like Lapid as the leader, like his mm -hmm. personality, the way he is, which is very, very, like, which is influencing also the, the negotiations. Like I'm not sure he is he, we be able to to bring with him Bennett. Like that's actually the key. If Bennett uh, um, wants to to be part of the of the like Lapid needs Bennett also to conform his coalition. Okay, numerically, like he will need uh, the he will also he try to negotiate with him. But Bennett, no, also also Bennett. Right. Okay. Or. And, and, and Bennett also wants to be a prime minister. So it will be a rotation there, like, or a negotiation for rotation, I'm sure. Even with, with, uh, if Lapid convinced Bennett to be part of his coalition, I think the price that he will have to pay will have to give him also the prime ministership as a rotation. Uh, Which BB already made fun I, of, him. saying, you know, a guy with seven yeah. seats is going to be prime minister. It, yeah, can he get, can Lapid get to 61? Uh, let me think. I think, yeah, uh, he needs also Ram Bennett. I'm, I'm not sure. Just, I, I'm not so let's, sure. Let's do some math. I'm not so I think, sure. I Maybe. Think, I think the scenario is, again, it's funny. I, I spoke to, um, a few years ago, I spoke to this game theorist expert called Israel Alman, who won the Nobel Prize, one of the few Israelis who won the Nobel Prize. And there is a story there about um, uh, a room with, let's say, two people and $10,000 in the room. And they, they can only walk out with the money if they agree. So the first person comes right. and says, okay, very simple. Um, uh, 
let's split it five for me five for you the other one says no nine for me one for you or walk out and get and get nothing and then the first person's got a a very big decision to make do you walk out with nothing and be principled or do you would you kind of give in to this uh kind of blackmail and i think that reminds me a little bit of what what bennett's doing bennett's saying listen i will only come in if i'm prime minister I've got yes, I've got seven seats, but there's a there's a lot of right wingers in Israel, you know, because we're going to include Likud and we're going to include whatever, and I'm going to demand to be prime minister. and And I think, and what's kind of mad, is that Labour and Meretz and all of these parties saying, you know what, to get rid of Netanyahu, we we are willing, and maybe even the Arab parties will be willing to abstain, but we are willing to go into a government which has. On the right, Bennett and Saar and yeah. Lieberman. And in the centre, Lapid and Gans. And on the left, Meretz uh, and Labour. And, and, and even then, you need outside support from the Arab parties. So it, it, it's, it's quite a stretch. But I think if Netanyahu yeah. fails, that's kind of the scenario that we're looking at. Um, which is mad to but think you, about. That's but, a yeah, more likely Lapid, scenario Lapid, than fifth elections? You, you know, again, you're speaking to someone who said they wouldn't be second. I, I think that is a more realistic scenario, and I think that's what's being cooked up. Um, but it's uh, it's pretty mad. But again, listen, um, Lapid frames it as a unity government, and in many ways, he, he's right. You've got three kind of. I, I don't really like the right wing left wing distinction because it's not just territorial mm-hmm. right and left; it's also religion and state, and it's also economics. It's kind of this three D right left. Yeah. But you've got, you know, three kind of right wing parties, two centrists, two left wing. I, I think, you know, Netanyahu may laugh at that, um, having just gone into a so-called unity government with Benny Gantz. But th- that, you know, I, I'm not sure what they could agree with, but they, I'm sure, could deal with economic stuff and Corona stuff. And, and for people that mm-hmm. dislike Netanyahu, they would say it can kind of bring back sanity to the Israeli political system. So... You know, maybe maybe Dayenu, maybe maybe that's enough. It's not a huge and, amount, and but it's think, enough. You, you think those ideological, and again, you, you you drew the important distinction of not just territory, not just peace or Palestinian issues or whatever, right? There's all these different um, axes, right? It's not just a, a cross axis; it's up and down and around and all these things. You think there's enough of that trying to prevail sanity, as you called it, or anti bb feeling, as other people might call it. Do you think that is strong enough to to hold those weird elements together? I think four elections in, it's enough to prevent fifth elections. Uh, and I okay. think, and uh, you know, Rachel was saying we, we've said Saar and Elkin are are very serious players, and I think mm-hmm. you know they 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 chose not to recommend Lapid. They recommended they recommended no one. It was it was a bit weird. And I I can only imagine that the scenario was, in order to go for this kind of crazy unity thing, Netanyahu needs to be seen to have failed for a fourth time. And then it will either be this or fifth elections. And if it's either this or fifth elections, we can then justify doing it. I think that was the play. Um, mm-hmm. Because it, it is hard to imagine and it's hard to implement but after two years of, of rounds and rounds of elections, if it's the choice between that and fifth elections, 
I think people sign on. Uh, that, think- that, that's my feeling. Okay, and you think that's how, because Naftali Bennett, of course, before the fourth election famously signed that piece of paper, that he wouldn't be in a, sit under Yair Lapid. So that would be the same sort of play, like we're doing everything we can to avoid fifth elections and that's what it comes that's, to. That's absolutely Bennett's play. Bennett's play is we, I don't know if he's, if he's being honest, but we prefer a right-wing government. We even want Netanyahu to be prime minister. The problem's not us. You've got our votes, etc., etc., etc. But... Once you failed, there will not be fifth elections. So if, if Netanyahu fails, and there won't be fifth mm-hmm. elections. There's not that many options left on the table. I think, I think that's what, certainly the, there was a press conference yesterday when Bennett said exactly that. I want a right wing, but there won't be fifth elections. And I think he's preparing the ground for this jump, um, which, again, will be popular with some and will be unpopular with, with others. But I think, I think that's, that's how it's going to get framed. It's either... Once Netanyahu's failed, the only option is this or fifth elections, and we don't want fifth elections, and that's what's left. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that's similar well, to what Benny Gantz kind of did after the third election, of course, mm-hmm. saying that we'll do anything to avoid a fourth election, <laughs> and six months later we were still there anyway. So, okay, yeah, well, a year, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the final yeah, I will say the that coffin, but... There is a little bit of a silver lining of uh, of fifth elections, if it comes to that, which is that it's very likely that uh, Gantz will become prime minister in November. So BB, if you go to fifth election, BB loses control of the prime ministership. And tell me, if BB's not prime minister, and he's just a minister of Knesset, can he still serve while he's under indictment? Isn't that the rule that he has to step down? So fifth election means the end. That does mean, at least for now, the end of BB and Knesset. It's, 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 or it's, it's more complicated a, than that. It's a bit, it's a bit more com- I mean, Gantz, based on the current government, becomes prime minister, I think, on the 21st of November. So it's still, fifth elections would happen before then. But the uh, way that they structured, yeah, the way they structured the, the agreement is that Netanyahu becomes alternate prime minister. They sw- I mean, it's never going to happen, obviously, but they switch. Oh, so he and he becomes that. alternate prime minister. And an alternate <laughs> prime minister, they, they actively Doesn't put it. in that someone like that can continue to serve under indictment. But the, 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 the bigger question is, I think, that if Netanyahu is no longer prime minister because for whatever reason there's a different government and he is... Seemingly, Likud goes into opposition. Do the knives then come out within Likud for Netanyahu? So even if they say, of course, Netanyahu is innocent and of course the, the justice system is biased, etc. But you know what, Bibi, we're sure you're innocent. But why don't you take I'm sure the I'm sure it will be over very quickly. Why don't you just take a, a temporary time out from political life in order to prove your innocence to everyone? Of course, you can come back once you've proven innocent, etc. Um, and then, and then, and then that's the end of Netanyahu. That, I think that's an interesting question. At what stage knives within? You know, Likud is a party that does not stab its leaders. I think they've only had four or five leaders in the last eighty years. Um, but I think if, if if another government gets formed with Likud outside, then the big question is. Well, does does the court case suddenly then take center stage for Netanyahu? And I think that's a, that's a reasonable scenario. Okay, and Rachel, as we wind down, Rachel, last thoughts? 
Well, one of the mistakes that, sorry. Sorry, that yeah. one, one of the mistakes that I learned not to do is to say that we will not have another election. Yeah. Uh, so I, since the last two elections, I always say another election is always an, op always an option because yeah. it happens. And it, it could be a fifth election. Yes, it could be a fifth election. Like it could happen. And I will not say that it, it's not possible. But what you said about Bibi's power and confidence and what is he losing now? And also, we are hearing about his trial all the time because it's all over yeah. the trial. It's, it's kind of boring because it's very long and maybe, maybe people, it's not understanding. But we are hearing many, many, we are, we are also hearing Netanyahu what things that he said a while ago. And because of that, that things he said, he's being indicted. And, and I think right. it, it has an impact in the, in the public opinion. So it's, it's, it's interesting. As you said, maybe... If Netanyahu is able to confirm a government, I'm, I think that it, that will be the, his last government. Okay, I can uh, say that now. Maybe I'm, oh, I'm mistaken. I was making a prediction. I'm not sure. Okay. Always no, dangerous on this uh, I'm podcast. I'm also predicting fifth election. Yeah, yeah. It's, I think so because, you, as I told you, there are so many things that are that are actually uh, hurting him in his public opinion, yeah. even though that he could be like in the best position ever because of all the vaccinations and what you said. Um, in the other way, I think it could be very interesting to see the opposition, the, the, the anti-BB bloc conforming a government and a, and a coalition. Uh, I think it might return to Israel this ideological debate that we are forgetting for the last months, that we are only on yes, BB, no BB. Yeah. If the other side will win, so maybe we'll have again the other topics coming Uh, again, like Palestinians, economics, religion and state, all those issues and topics that always uh, had us very, very busy in this country that we are forgetting for the last two years. So it will be like a renewal of, the, of, this, of these topics. And it, I know for, for me, it will be more interesting to discuss about only one person being in the, in the high chair. The politics <laughs> of governing and not the politics of personality. Yes, That's very well, positive okay. I'm saying this. It's very, very positive for my side. I'm not sure it will happen ever, given the fact that personalization of politics <laughs> is it's all over, also in, in the whole world. It's not only in Israel, but maybe, yeah. maybe it could be the, the, the new beginning of this, of this path. Hopefully. Well, I, I do think, I mean, this is obviously just a snapshot of where we are right now, but I do think that's helpful for us and for our listeners to get a sense of where we are in the process, what might happen, although we don't know, but how we got here and what are the possibilities of what might happen. So uh, thank you, Khaled, for breathing through uh, some serious Wi-Fi troubles to stay with us. And thank you, Rachel, from, for remotely joining in. Uh, thank you, Matt, with the co-hosting duties. Thank you, Thank Mike. you all. Pleasure. Uh, we don't have to log off, but I am ending the recording because it's the end of the episode. Bye bye. Mm -hmm.